This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi there and welcome to Total Saints Podcast. This is the dedicated weekly podcast that goes to the heart of all things Saints. Now before we move on this week, I'm going to put a quick warning out up front. This episode of TSP is likely to include some raw emotion, sadness, anger, resignation and potentially even some tears. Therefore, if you're of a naturally emotional disposition as well, then please be warned this podcast isn't going to help that at all. To try and gently comfort all of us through it, at least I hope, is our regular voice of reason and positivity, Adam Leach, Chief Sports Writer at The Daily Echo. Adam, I feel like I say this every week, but I get the feeling it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster of a podcast. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, it, was a, it was a very, very bad day, um, as, as everybody will know, mm. at Newcastle. And so uh, sometimes you just, um, just have to say it as you see it, don't you? There's yeah. no way of getting around it. You've just got to be honest and, and uh, be positive when there's reasons to be positive. And you, you have to be uh, critical when you've got to be critical. So uh, I think that we will uh, probably tread all of those fine lines today <laughs> absolutely I remember uh, the great Nigel Atkins I think it was him I mean maybe he stole the quote from someone but I do remember him saying you don't get too high when you win you don't get too low when you lose so maybe we should just remember that there's other priorities in life than football before we get too over the top but I think uh, yeah it was certainly a disappointing day for uh, everyone associated with Southampton Football Club yesterday um, before we move on I should um, wish everyone that's celebrating it a very happy Mother's Day I think there'll be quite a few mothers Adam around uh, the Southampton fan base probably consoling their sons and daughters after that performance I think but uh, certainly um, we're, we're recording this on Mother's Day so uh, to uh, all the mothers within the Saints fan base and uh, obviously there'll be many of you and um, we wish you a happy Mother's Day this week's podcast we're going to chat about the Newcastle game and the fallout from it which is again pretty monumental as well as uh, lighten the mood a little bit by uh, looking ahead to next weekend's FA Cup tie with Barry Worthington a Wigan fan who hosts the Progress with Unity podcast covering all things Wigan so Barry's going to join us later on in the podcast we're going to get straight into it this is Total Saints podcast episode 28 I was thinking where best to start with the Newcastle game, Adam. To be honest, I can actually only review the first 30 minutes of it because, uh, like many hundreds of Saints fans, I, uh, I actually left my seat when the second goal went in and uh, went down to the concourse and I never returned, sadly. But um, I was still walking up to my seat when uh, the first goal went in, so I barely saw that go in, Adam, as it scuffed across the line because I was trying to make my way up uh, to the heavens. But if there was ever a moment that summed up Southampton Football Club at the moment, it was uh, a week of building up to Newcastle and let's do this tweets and... Uh, Ryan Bertrand's call to arms, um, asking the fans and making sure they knew how vital they were in terms of Saints' survival this season. And then Pellegrino saying in his press conference on Thursday that they were ready for the Newcastle test and we go and let a goal in after uh, 63 seconds. So for those of us that missed the last hour and just sort of the first half an hour, Adam, I mean, what did you make of it all? You lucky devils. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us had to sit through the whole thing. Um, yeah, when you tweeted that you were... Uh, yeah, the picture of you with the beer and it, it popped up uh, when I was watching the game. I was thinking, oh, you, <laughs> you swine. I'm going to have to have got another hour of this yet. Wow, what did I make of the game? Uh, 
what disappointed me more than anything was uh, the attitude, mm. to be honest with you, because I think that the players have largely escaped criticism uh, this season. Largely. There's not, not, there's been no criticism, but there's not been a lot. Most of the anger has been directed towards the manager, uh, a certain amount towards uh, the board. But, but really, as we saw last season, Claude was the scapegoat for last season. Maurizio is the scapegoat for this season. Um, it's, it's, their, it's their heads that are being called for, rightly or wrongly. Everybody's entitled to their opinion on that. Um, that's fair enough. Mm-hmm. But the players haven't really got a lot of blame. And to a certain extent, the, I feel like there's been a lot of games when there's been reasons or excuses or whatever that you could put out and say, OK, well, for this reason, perhaps they don't deserve it. For that reason, perhaps they don't deserve it. Uh, Pellegrino's the one who is uh, under serious threat again now. Yep. And whether you like the team he put out or the tactics that he employed, that was a pitiful performance mm. from the players. Absolutely pathetic, to be completely honest. I can think of no other way to describe it. The bare minimum you expect from a professional athlete is attitude, dedication, spirit and trying. And the other team, if they're better than you, they're better than you. If you make a mistake, everybody makes a mistake. If you try your hardest, but you're being let down by the manager and the tactics, which has been the case, you know, occasionally this season, okay, fair enough, you can be excused because you, you at least did the bare minimum. There was barely a player out there in a Saints shirt that did the bare minimum. And I think that's what was so disappointing. Pellegrino said afterwards... First up, he said they gave up. Pierre-Emile Hoiberg virtually admitted the same after the first goal went in, mm. which was after a minute. Yeah. Basically, that was the excuse for them not to try for the remainder of the game, effectively. And and I think that that is pretty poor form, to be completely honest with you. And And as much as it obviously reflects on the whole club, it obviously reflects on the manager... I, I have to have some sympathy with Pellegrino and the pelters that he's getting and the incomplete cop-out, in my opinion, of excuses that, oh, well, the players, they're disillusioned by him. Mm. So? Mm. That doesn't mean you don't try. Totally. So all the players, they're, they're you know, they're, it's because he's been so negative all season. I, I'm not buying that. I just don't buy that. Um, no. The great, late, great Alan Ball, I had the great pleasure of doing his column um, sometimes when, when he was a columnist with us. And he said to me 10 years ago, it's always stuck in my head, maybe even 15 years ago, if you give a uh, modern day footballer an excuse, they will use it as an excuse not to basically try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that's a pretty sad state of affairs. And I have to say that I don't feel, I don't want to go over the top on the players. And the reason I don't want to is because I don't feel that generally they have been that guilty of that. But they were on Saturday. Mm. They kind of admitted it. The manager fessed up and admitted it. Uh, what what more can you say? And I think for me that was the really disappointing thing because I don't really think that there's particularly any I can't find any excuse for that. And I don't I don't buy into this. Oh well, look how much they get paid. It's not their fault what they get paid. It's, they shouldn't get paid that much. We all know it. But this is a problem with society. It's not their fault. That doesn't mean because they get paid a lot they shouldn't try. But for me, there's no excuse. That's yeah, what I'm trying yeah. to say. There, yeah. There's no there's no rhyme or reason that they should, uh, they should not at least put in the bare minimum. I totally agree. And uh, look, I, I'm reading a tweet here that I saw um, when I was heading back uh, from the pub to the railway station that you put out actually at uh, just about 25 to 6 yesterday, pretty much summarising that. Say what you like about Pellegrino, his tactics, etc. The club in general and the board, but the players also had to take some responsibility. Some of them really let the club down today. And uh, I think many fans will totally agree with that. And there's two words that I wrote down, heartless and gutless. And as I say, I mean, joking aside, I watched that first half an hour and you could just tell that there was no interest. And uh, Pellegrino aside, I think it was just, you obviously do your ratings, Adam. I'd be surprised if any of them got more than three out of ten. I mean, you probably uh, have already done them for the Monday Echo, but uh, I, I would imagine from what I saw. And uh, I mean, there were so many fans down in the concourse and it's, you know, it's so disappointing. And I was going to I was going to talk about this a bit later on, but I mean, there was sort of sadness and anger and resignation. And it's not all pointed in one direction. You know, I think Pellegrino is an easy target and 
you know, he will continue to get the brunt of abuse, but I think there's a lot of anger towards the board. I, I think, as you summarised quite nicely there, there was a lot of anger towards the players because it was clear that they, they weren't up for such a massive six-pointer. Newcastle were. Um, but yeah, as I say, heartless and gutless. And we've said it numerous times, Adam, haven't we, that we don't mind, and I say we don't mind, but we don't mind if the club go down fighting. It's when they go down, which may well still happen, just in a sort of lackadaisical and non-caring way because so many of them sort of think, well... I'll probably be off in the summer, so it doesn't really bother me. It'll be someone else that's picking up the pieces. I just think there's personal pride at stake. That's what I would say. For for the players, there should be. All, all I can say is that as as an amateur athlete myself, I mean, I do Ironman triathlons. I train, yeah. probably I train more hours a week than the, the footballers do for, for an event like that. And uh, lots of my friends uh, in that community do as well. And And there's loads of people who play lots of different sports. But the thing is that it, I think the problem in a team sport, as opposed to an individual sport like that, is that it's too easy to hide sometimes, and to, to kind of always there's always an excuse. Um, there's all and and you've only got to look at. I was looking at some of the notifications. Uh, I had so many notifications, I just mm. couldn't view them all. Yes, yesterday or today, but there's so many people who even then were lining up to make an excuse as to why. That you know there is oh well you, what can you expect when the managers there or what can you expect when the club does I can expect them to try yeah. I would if I went if I put in training in the week and then I went out to an event myself and I didn't perform for reasons of attitude I would be disgusted with myself mm. for not doing that and this is I'm not talking about my job I'm talking this is I mean maybe that's the problem this because my hobby and passion but I, I just don't think. I don't think that they they turned up, and I, no. I think for such a big game, that was really sad. But you know what? I, I've gone on. I've had my little criticism, my little rant. Mm. I think the the one positive, the, the well, there's a couple of positives to take. None from the game itself <laughs> is that maybe we've said it a couple of times, but maybe this is finally the wake up call. Mm. Maybe this is it because I mean they they well they are fast running out of chances. That's positive number one. Maybe yeah. this will be the big wake up call. Positive number two, despite all of this, despite five wins in 30 games, <laughs> despite one win in 17... I know what you're going to say, yeah. I've got it written down. still not even <laughs> in the bottom three. I know. It's, incred- I mean, it's incredible to think there's three teams worse than us, though, eh? In another season, with those stats, they could be cut adrift now. Yeah. And yet, not only are they not cut adrift, they're not even in the relegation zone. <laughs> so, despite, despite all of this, mm. all of this... Their fate, their destiny remains in their own hands. Yep. It is for them to sort it out. And whilst I, you know, I seem to have got involved in a couple of debates with people recently as to the, the quality and the balance of the squad, because you know I, I've argued with a few people who have give, given this. Well, you know, look at Saints' squad; they're so much better than all those around them. And I'm sort of saying, well, are they? Let's actually go through this, you know, position by position. Are they really that much better? But nonetheless, they, they certainly aren't, I will grant you, they certainly at the very least aren't worse than the teams around them. So it is still within their hands, within their grasp uh, to save it. Yeah. And as, as I, I believe that they deserve the criticism, I think that the, the way that they were after the game, I think that they knew what, what had happened and what, how it had gone. Mm. And I think that they've got enough I believe they've got enough spirit and character that that will chasten and that they will pick up. And and I think that that's the one positive we can take. And that hopefully, uh, as I said, we haven't really uh, laid into the players this season. And uh, that's why I don't want, even though you've got to be honest and you've got to reflect your opinions in the difficult times like this, I don't want to go overboard in laying into them. And certainly not individually, because I think very much it was a collective problem. I don't really want to single out loads of individuals for for stick, but I think that they hopefully will just use this as a platform to try and and spring back and keep in mind that they have been lucky this season because Mm. they they could be almost down by now, and yet they are a very, very long way from being down. And so this fight is still there to be won. Look, I was going to mention this later on, but I I put a poll out on the podcast Twitter feed earlier today just saying... um, 
Based on the options below, who do you believe deserves the most blame for Saints FC's plight this season? Now, I, I know we haven't finished the season and I, I remember saying to someone a few months ago we shouldn't start the blame game until it's all over and that sort of thing. And I, I think whilst we all agreed it is a collective effort, I was interested to get people's views on what the biggest trigger out of that was. So the options were board, manager, players or don't care because obviously that's always the option that we have to make sure we put in there. The, the results probably won't surprise you, Adam. I mean, we had um, what sort of nearly 400 people vote on it. Um, 50% say the board, 32% say the manager, 12% say don't care, 6% say the players. Now, I think in terms of who deserves the most blame, I think other people are always going to go in and uh, the board and the manager are probably going to be targeted first. But it's interesting that out of that, only 6% think the players are to blame. Now, I think it goes back to the point that you've mentioned, which is there are obviously people that hire the manager and and he is then responsible for motivating them and organising them and all those sort of things. But in terms of effort, I mean, we've spoken so many times this season, as you just said there, about hopefully this will be the wake-up call. They're very disappointed. But they, they've never really sort of seemed to recover and put a run of games together of actually getting results and, you know, constant seven, eight, nine, tens out of 10. And I, I said to someone the other week, or I tweeted the other week, I'm really struggling to think of who I'm going to vote for as my player of the season because there hasn't even been one standout player for the entire season, has there? Yeah, I mean, that's very true. Uh, I haven't really thought about player of the season, blimey. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm stumped as well, off the top of my head anyway. But there are lots of things that play into this all the time. And, you know, the categories that we've mentioned there are things that we've talked extensively about in the, the 27-28 episodes this podcast has been going. The issues with ownership, the issues with uh, leadership, with transfer policy, with managerial appointments, with managers and their tactics and, and the things like We've talked endlessly about all of these topics and all of this does go into it. And that's why I say that, that really the Newcastle game was very different, one, because the players really by their own admission let the fans uh, let the club down really and i think that there's been enough mm. reasons excuses whatever you want to call it in other times that that they kind of have maybe generously at times but nonetheless i think we have all absolved them of of some blame because we've said well you know that the tactics were negative or this was a problem or that was a problem or they were tied with this problem or or, or whatever it was and I, I think that's pretty fair which is why you know, it's, it's horrible. It's a horrible mm. thing. I, I hate really having to criticise like this. And I, I hate doing the marks as well when you're, you know, at any time, but yeah. especially when you're giving out, you know, really low marks and, and harsh comments and things like that, because I don't think most of the time that anybody goes out and wants to do badly. Uh, you know, they don't want to underperform, but it was just that collective yeah. thing at Newcastle. It wasn't that there's one or two people who, who probably haven't pulled their way or whatever, which you know what it's like when you play team sports. You get that from yeah. time to time. We all know that if you've ever played a team sport. But it was more such a collective thing mm. in Newcastle. And I think that was what was uh, what was really shocking, I think, to, to the people you know who were there to to actually witness it in person. Yeah. And as I say, I mean, not dwelling on the concourse, but that's obviously where I spent most of the game. But... Uh, there was quite a few fans, as I say, sort of down there, even for the second half, sort of sharing conversations about Saints. There was a lot of, you could hear a lot of chat, and I think trying to sort of keep each other positive about the future of Saints, whatever happens with those at the club currently, and just generally trying to probably drown sorrows to a certain extent, Adam. But, uh, I mean, I, I even saw there was a, a group of, um, and then, you know, some of the people associated may be listening, but I think there was a group of about 20 lads that had screwed up a bit of paper and were flicking pound coins at it and trying to get the nearest to it, and they were sort of cheering and jumping around and creating their own entertainment, which was kind of a sad state of affairs that you've gone all that way i mean some people like you 14 hour round trip 600 miles and everyone's down in the concourse drinking beer and cider because it's just more uh, more enjoyable than watching saints but look, i mean we, we've spoken about pellegrino and we've had comments about him and lots of saints fans have had views on him we're obviously at a stage of the season now where there's what eight games left and we've spoken numerous times about the fact that changing him this sort of um, period of the season is is what what is it necessarily going to achieve but when you look at the game like that yesterday, and I, I totally agree with you, the players deserve an, an awful lot of the, the blame pointed in their direction, but it felt to me that they really have stopped playing for Pellegrino. Now, we obviously aren't going to st start selling and buying players because we're not in a transfer window. The, the only real option that Saints have if they are going to do anything is to remove the manager and try and get someone in and do the bounce effect that we've spoken about, trying to get another seven, eight points. So if they have stopped playing for Pellegrino, even though there is only eight games to go, where does that leave him, really? 
Well, I mean, it leaves him in a difficult position, doesn't it? I mean, uh, football being football, you never say never. Even at, at this late stage of the game, I think that for most people, the, the ship has sailed, really, and the, and the time to have acted if the club wanted to do it um, would seem to have passed in terms of um, really d- doing anything beyond getting somebody in yeah. for a bounce. I mean, what would you do now? It's a very difficult situation. But like I said, th- that was... Uh, Newcastle was a new low mm. um, that really was a new low uh, in the in context of the season we haven't seen anything like that for a, a very very long time at Saints more seasoned observers probably can uh, can try and cast their mind back and it's not as if it's unprecedented you know over the last couple of decades but we haven't seen anything like it for a, a very long time and so I, I think that just the sheer manner of that means that all, all options probably are just about still open yeah. Um, do, do you think he needs to come in? I mean, we said this before. He's quite a plastic guy. I mean, I, I don't dislike the guy. I mean, I don't think he's a good football manager, and I struggle to think of many worse managers we've had over the years. When you look at what he's got out of that squad and where we are in the league, but do, do you kind of think he, wherever he is, whatever he's doing on his Sunday, he maybe thinks right tomorrow, Monday, I need to go in and really give those players a kick up the backside and make them realise what they're doing and that none of them are safe in the shirts because again you know he's commented on and he was having a rant last week I know about changing players left right and centre and he's tried to do this and that but do you think he kind of needs to almost go in there with a clean slate and say right you, you lot need to prove yourselves to me this week if you want to play in a quarter final they've then got two weeks before the, the West Ham game which is going to be quite an atmosphere the way things are going in terms of West Ham and Saints so do you almost think that he needs to try and come in and whether he can do it or not almost be, be a little bit more angry, a little bit more aggressive with them and try and sort of grab them by the shirt necks a little bit. Well, I mean, if that's not in your character, it's not in your character, is it? That's the, that's the problem with it. It's hard to put that on if that's not the way that you manage teams and that's not the way you manage people. And, and again, you know, maybe it's what's needed. But to be honest with you, this is like the conversations that depress me a little bit about football because why should they need that? Yeah, true. Maybe they do. But why should they? I mean, mm. the, the, this is pretty pathetic stuff. If we're saying that the, these, the, the professional sports people that won't go out and perform unless somebody shouts at them to do it. Yeah. Uh, to, to me, just again as as an amateur athlete, somebody who does things for my own passion, I, I find it extraordinary that that might be the case. Mm. Um, and I, and so you know, I, I would hope that that's not something that's needed. Uh, and if it is, well, there, there you go. Mm. Um, I don't know whether it is or isn't. I'm not in the Saints dressing room. I don't. I don't know beyond knowing these guys a little bit. I don't know them to any degree. I don't know their yeah their personalities, their characters to, to any great extent beyond you know probably not a lot more than what most other people see to be honest. So I don't know. Maybe they do need that. But I would say if you want positive action, you lead it with positive actions yourself. Yep. You know, be positive. Put that positive team on the pitch. We've been saying this mm. for. A good couple of weeks, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was imploring him, really, if you're going to do it, let's be, let's be positive. And I wasn't saying, I wasn't advocating gung-ho. I wasn't like some people are saying, oh, you know, he's not going to play two up front. Stop, stop talking about it. Yep. He's not going to do that. But within the system that he's got, God blind me, how many times have I said it? Gabby Adini in the number 10. How has this still not happened <laughs> when you've got the big man up there, Carrillo? Yeah. Uh, as well I just you know, you know yeah. I wasn't disappointed necessarily to see Ward Prowse playing but you know that the taking out of Sims again who would had a positive impact mm. be positive because if you make the negative changes that does that does have you know negative you know connotations I have a funny feeling you know what's weird from Pellegrino's point of view is that maybe that conservative part of him and that slight fear factor got the better of him with his team selection at Newcastle in the end but if he ends up going, that'll be what's done for him. Because ironically, I think had he have played a more attacking team, had he have played Gabby Adidi and Sims or whatever, and then he got that performance, I think everybody would have been hurling their pelters elsewhere and not him. They'd have turned around yeah. and he'd have been able to hold his hands up and say, look, I'm changing everything. I'm doing everything everybody wants. And they're, they're not doing it. They're, this is the problem I've got. Mm. And people would probably have, have thought, well, well, maybe we need to look elsewhere. Uh, for for just blaming him, but the fact he went more negative, more conservative again, I just uh, I was surprised to be honest because the way he spoke on Thursday, I thought there was a fair chance that Gabby Adidi was going to start in that number ten role when I asked him about it. Yeah, and, and he certainly I certainly got the impression that though he obviously hadn't picked his team at that stage, 
it was well at the forefront of his mind. And I thought, oh, he's going to do this. And he spoke so confidently about how they were upbeat, how they, he had that real feeling that they were ready. And he's only really spoken like that once before. And they did come out and they came firing out when he said that. So I took it seriously. Mm. And then, you know, what, one goal after a minute and that just completely derailed them. And that, that, that's a, that is crazy stuff, really. And in terms of Newcastle, I mean, again, <laughs> it's, I have to be careful what I say because obviously I only saw half an hour I was watching the rest on the TV. But, uh, you know, they were obviously up for it in terms of they got off to a fast start. I think, you know, most Premier League teams, when you go away from home, you expect the home side to make a, a fast start. But even then, I mean, the goal was so soft that we gave away. But from, from what I saw, I mean, they weren't anything special. They just were good six, seven, eights out of ten. And it was just more than enough to sweep us aside. But... I guess that's the worry for Saints is we're we're struggling to beat teams or even compete with teams. You know, you think of Stoke at home, we should have won that. But this was a run of fixtures that we were looking at when we did our predictions a couple of weeks ago and when we did it last week that you were sort of looking four, five, six points maybe out of the Stoke-Newcastle-West Ham game. And we've got one from six so far. I mean, even four from nine, you know, whilst it would be good to win at West Ham, it's still not a great return, is it? No, no. And um, the points now... When you look at what they're probably still going to need to get, despite the perhaps incompetence of others, you know, other teams, the, the games they've got to get them from are, are, are get looking considerably more difficult than the ones that they passed up getting the points from. And that is a worrying factor, really, because if you can't get the, the, the points in these games, it's going to be very hard to get them off of Chelsea, Arsenal, uh, Man City, etc. That is a real cause for concern, I think, because these more winnable matches are, are passing by and, and yes the Saints way has been that against those bigger teams they've actually not done too badly and they've kind of quite often battled to either a narrow defeat or a, a creditable draw but yes single points over the, a long season have kept their heads just about above water but I don't think single points between now and the end of the season are, are going to continue to keep their heads above water from where they are right now and and certainly my fear is that the way the table is starting to to shape up is that actually uh, what we probably didn't predict a couple of weeks ago, or I certainly didn't predict, was that there were going to be quite as many teams that were going to kind of get out of it. Now, they're not completely out of it, but there's a little bunch of teams now that, that looked well in it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And like they would probably, most of them would be well in it for the rest of the season. And quite a few of those have, have just pulled away now mm. and there is a chance that if they're not careful uh, Stoke Palace and Saints could just get cut adrift yep. and suddenly the odds then have shortened massively when it's two from three the thing is isn't it West Ham are the, the next team above us now they're two points ahead of us so that that game <laughs> we seem to say this every week as well but that game is now a you know 12 pointer almost because you win it you go above West Ham you lose it and you're sort of suddenly you're a win away from just getting back to where, to, to everyone. And bearing in mind, we've won five, five games out of 30 now. That's a, a real effort. But look, I mean, Dave, Dave Merrington on Salent had said that Les Reed needs to come out and talk to the, the fans and give some form of message this week. Again, you know, whether it's Les Reed, whether it's someone else in the club. Your view, Adam, I mean, do, do you think that Saints need to make some form of statement this week in that, look, we're behind the manager, we're going to stick with him, those sort of things? Do, do you think they just need to keep quiet and let the club just do what they believe in, which is whether it's working or not, which fans will obviously have their own opinion on, maybe just sort of leave, leave the, the silence, which they obviously have generally worked with, and, uh, and just let everyone try and focus on getting a win at Wigan? In an ideal world, Les would come out and, and speak. But obviously, I, I, the reason that they would be cautious about that is because it has been so long since he's spoken that there is such a can of worms that's going to be opened up by yep. him talking. So so many difficult topics that he's going to have to answer questions on because it's been left so long that uh, that probably isn't perhaps realistic. But I do think that at the very least, they are in a real back him or sack him moment now. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think they've either got to pull the trigger and then and then what? okay whatever that is or I think they at the very least they need to make it clear even if Les isn't going to come out and do interviews just to just to you know basically inform people the media and the fans via the media that as far as the club are concerned they've taken the decision that he's a manager for the rest of the season because I think that that will actually help Pellegrino because the problem is now all this fan unrest towards him um, not that that's necessarily going to go away, but it will dissipate a little bit if they know if fans know that it doesn't matter how much we shout out, out, out to him or boo him. Actually, he is going to be the manager till the end of the season. 
I think that that will help rather than this kind of constant, well, if we, maybe if we boo enough or we chant enough or, or we're angry enough that, you know, we might get him out. That kind of approach, which seems to, to have festered and brought this part of all the reason that there's this sort of very toxic atmosphere for, for Saints to play in at the moment. And that obviously isn't helping matters either. So I, I think, I think that they are at that crossroads. They've been at the crossroads before to an extent where they've had the opportunity to get rid of him and haven't taken it. But I, I, you could make a, a reasoned argument for the reason that they haven't kind of decided that every time they've got to that point that they've had to say, no, no, he's still our manager. Mm. But I think now that it would be wise if they're going to retain him that they actually make it clear somehow or another um, that as far as they're concerned, there, there will be no change until the summer. Because I think that might even though people might be angry about it, I think it might actually just help a little bit. And it would certainly help if, if there's any players that have any doubts. I think that once you know that that's what's going on, yeah. then, then that's removed. That that whole reason, excuse for, for, for everybody to connect it with the club kind of disappears when you know that he's the man until the end of the year. That's a really good point to, to end on there. No, just just finally then, so you said a couple of weeks ago that Burnley was one of the worst um, games you'd ever sat through Premier League, Adam. In terms of yesterday's game, how did that stack up against Burnley? <laughs> Well, did it I mean, get worse or better? Uh, it was probably a better game. Yeah, uh, it was more goals. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a great game, was it? But it was better than Burnley. I mean, Burnley was a dreadful game. That's what's been weird. Is like the last two weeks of the sort of negative podcast, we've been complaining more about the quality of the game uh, than uh, necessarily just the quality of the Saints' performance. As whereas this was absolutely the worst performance for a very, very long time for for many a year. From Saints, but probably because Newcastle scored a few goals, I suppose it was technically a better game. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look, I mean, um, when I'm, I'm uh, trying to find some positives, I think uh, many people that give feedback on the show always, I think, uh, commend you for that. So, um, look, you know, joking aside, I think it is good to try and find some positive. And I think you're totally right. Um, you know, somehow Saints still find themselves outside the relegation zone. There's three teams that are currently worse than us. If, if Man City beat Stoke tomorrow, then we're going into. Game 30, all of us still in a, a position of being 17th in the league, where ultimately now that is really the target, isn't it? Finishing 17th or above. So, yes, it was a dreadful game. I think many fans had a very, very disappointing day up there and uh, I think learnt a lot about the, the, the team, particularly on the pitch. But um, positive point of view, we're still outside the relegation zone and uh, let's hope we can stay there. Saints get a break from Premier League action now as we travel up to Wigan next weekend for the FA Cup quarter-final tie against the Latics, who won the Cup so memorably back in 2013 against Manchester City. I'm delighted to say that Adam and I are joined by Barry Worthington at Latics Speak from Twitter and host of the Progress with Unity dedicated Wigan Athletic podcast. Barry, firstly, thanks for joining the podcast. It's a, a pleasure having you on. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about some of your memories following Wigan and uh, a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, no problem, Ben. I've I've been a, a Latics fan all my life. Uh, my first game was back in 1971. Uh, it was an FA Cup tie, which was against Halifax Town, who, who then were the big boys, and we yep. were a non-league club. We, be, we beat them 2-0. And uh, it was a saying, Wigan, once a Latic, always a Latic. And, <laughs> and once in, you know, that, that's, that's the way it is. And I'm Wigan born and bred, so there's no other, you know, there was never any other teams to support. So I've supported them throughout the years, highs and lows, close to bankruptcy and then the Wheeland stepped in uh, and then we went, went on a, a magical ride all the way to the Premier League uh, won the FA Cup like you just said and um, took a bit of a dive after that <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're, we're sort of bobbing at the moment I mean we Championship League 1 we got promoted back to the Championship and relegated again to League 1 and this season we're not doing too badly right. uh, the podcast has been running since 2011 and we it's a weekly podcast it's usually every Wednesday but this week it's going to come out on Thursday because we're playing Wednesday uh, yeah. there's five, six, seven blokes do it sometimes we have a few ladies on uh, we've had guests on from Emerson Boyce to Jonathan Jackson who is the chief executive of Wigan Athletic uh, so we get you know we get players on and, and uh, uh, the guys that actually run the club uh, it's it's nothing professional. It's just a group of fans chewing the fat about the Latics, and uh, you know we enjoy it. Uh, the, the the name 
progress with unity comes from the, the actual motto of the town. Right, um, right. We used to be ancient and loyal, but uh, that's been changed. You, you know, we had a bit of a revamp in the 1980s, and, and they come up with, with a new branding, and uh, it was progress with unity. So we just thought it would be a good idea to carry that forward to show that we're representing Wigan. Yeah, fantastic. And I imagine a little bit like Southampton, Barry. I mean, there's quite a, a lot of fans, I think, particularly when we were struggling a few years ago, particularly the younger fans will want to, to support the Manchester Uniteds and the Chelsea's and those sort of things because that's the teams that are on telly. I think as we've gone back up to the Premier League, there's been more and more local fans supporting Saints. But I guess for Wigan as well, I mean, I, I came up a couple of years ago when we drew to all and it certainly seemed that there was a, a good sort of following for Wigan. But I guess... It is probably hard to try and attract fans to Wigan when they're, they're obviously bigger clubs, so to speak, around the, in the local area. Yeah, uh, the population of Wigan Town is 80,000, so we're not a big place. Mm. Um, uh, and as you say, I mean, we've got a rugby club in the town as well. And, and I'll be quite honest with you, it's usually one or the other. There's, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a massive rivalry between two sets of supporters. Not the two clubs, I think the clubs are, are quite quite close. But between the two sets of supporters, there's a massive rivalry. Uh, but we've, I mean, we've got United City, Everton, Liverpool, Burnley, Blackburn, Bolton, Preston, Rochdale, Oldham, Bury, mm. all all within 15 miles of us in a radius yeah, of 15 yeah. miles. And it's, you know, some of the biggest clubs in the world are in that. So you can understand why we struggle a little bit. And like I mentioned, in my lifetime, we was an only club, and we only got into the league in 1978. Uh, but mm. Oh, we, we we cracked the Premier League and, and the crowds then. I mean, we were probably getting about 14,000 home supporters when we was in the Premier League, uh, which isn't, you know, very good. But, um, you know, it was it, it's still over a tenth of the population of the town, isn't it, when you look at it that way, which is, is yeah, a, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. So we're proud of every single person who comes to the games. We just like one or two more to uh, come along with them as well you know that's the thing totally and, and looking at the current season obviously we're we're reaching a pivotal stage now but we're going to sitting third in league one as well as obviously having reached the the quarterfinals of the fa cup as we know having beaten bournemouth and manchester city along the way so wigan and the the season they've had so far so good well absolutely fantastic yeah it's, it's, been, it's been a uh, a brilliant season i mean you was in league one not too long ago i don't know if you remember it but it's a fantastic division Yep, it's yep. absolutely buzzing. Uh, all the grounds are like the old time, a lot of old time football grounds. So it's, you know, we we take a larger way following to most games, um, and it's just a fantastic trip. Uh, mm. This season, uh, you know, the the fans have jumped on board again, uh, like we did last. You know, we was in this division two seasons ago when we, we won it, and they've jumped on board, and it, every week's like a party week. <laughs> but I think what's happening at the moment, the games are, are sort of catching up on us. I mean, we've got four games in hand on Blackburn, who were top. Mm. Uh, we're, we've just gone eight points down because we drew on, on, on Saturday against uh, Scunthorpe. But we're looking a little bit of a tired side at the moment. And I don't think it's... It, it, I know we've, it, it might be the number of games in the cup, but I think the, the, the problem's been that we've played a lot of big games. So you mentioned the Bournemouth and Man City, but we played West Ham as well. We beat West Ham in yep, the cup. True, yep, so yep. There, there were three three massive games there against Premier League sides. And then mm. we last... Uh, weekend we played Blackburn and it, 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 that's a local derby and we're both at the top so that was another big game and I think it's it's beginning to take its toll on the players now it's just draining them a, a little bit and, and, yeah. and the way we're situated at the moment we've got two games a week now until the end of the season that's yeah. without uh, progressing in the cup <laughs> so, yeah, and, and, and obviously uh, mm. I, I imagine at sort of League One level uh, a sort of certain size of squad as well but yeah I, I know um, obviously I watched the Man City game like I think most of the country did and it was uh, it, it was weird Barry, because I think no Southampton fan wanted to go to Manchester City in the next round of the cup, but obviously no Southampton fan really wants to go to a banana skin, if you can call that, against uh, Wigan. But certainly on the Tuesday, I think like most of the country, I had the Will Grigg on the fire song in my head all day, I think. But uh, <laughs> look, um, I mean, obviously Paul Cook joined you as manager in the summer. Um, I couldn't find much out about Paul Cook between him leaving Chesterfield in 2015 and joining you this summer. And this, this is where I insert the uh, the wink emoji there. But uh, look, I mean, in terms of yeah. um, what he's brought to Wigan, I mean, uh, he has a bit of a reputation for being a bit of a, a hard man. And I think, you know, he obviously showed that against um, Guardiola. But I guess in terms of getting the best out of the Wigan players and a bit, we've had a bit of an issue with Pellegrino probably being a bit too nice. I think Paul Cook has that reputation of being quite a tough manager, yeah? Uh, well, he's, he's, I think he's got a bit of... Uh... You know, it's a bit of both. He's got. It can be hard when he needs to be, and it can be uh, the best mate when it, when the you know when it when it calls for it as well. And I think he's 
he's just he's absolutely brilliant I as a, a football manager I didn't really know too much about him because like you say he's been out of the game for, for the past two seasons <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, so uh, I mean he started his career as a player with us in, in the 80s and, and we sold him on to Norwich City and he was a, a cultured left footed midfield player he was very good he was only a young lad at the time mm. so and then he came back on loan so, so we, you keep your eye on your ex-players but as a manager, you know, as a manager, I'd not really looked into his style of that. But I'll be honest with you, he's been a breath of fresh air. His, his interviews in the local press are fantastic. He speaks open and honest. He doesn't hide it about anybody being injured. He, he lets people know uh, the way he talks. He, he never he never calls the players. He never calls the opposition. He, he's absolutely brilliant, and he, yeah. he's just like he, if, if you go into a pub. Uh, there's a guy sitting on the end of the bar, and you just have a chat with him about football. That's that's the type of personality, the character that he is. But also, he's got working with him, Peter Reid, and, mm, and he's mm. obviously brought in a lot of experience. And uh, I think he's another character as well, you know. So I think they've got a good a good blend going. And I know he can be a disciplinarian when he needs to yeah. be. And I've heard one or two stories. He makes the players sign in in the morning. He makes them all get there at a certain time and. They have a, a brew together and a chat, and you know, just just to start the day off, and nobody's allowed to be late for that. But on the other hand, he, he sometimes he'll give them a day off, and he's you know he's quite he's quite lenient on on different things with them. So I, I suppose when you're top of the table, or mm. you know, like we are, and things are going well, um, you can be a little bit lenient as well, you know. But um, the last the last few games, with uh, people are saying the uh, you know the wheels have come off a little bit. I'm not sure they have, but if we don't get, uh, we play play Bradford this week, and we've got another couple of, uh, we've got another game next week. And if if we start struggling in those, then uh, we might see the disciplinarian side of it coming out. You know. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Adam, looking at it from Saints' point of view, I guess it's a bit of a of a double-edged sword, really, isn't it? Because it obviously takes attention away from the Premier League, but likewise, we're going to face a team committed. You know, will smell Premier League blood as they've done with West Ham, Bournemouth, Man City. So, whichever way you look at it, it's kind of can be positive, negative. Well, I guess so. I think from Saints' point of view, the cup run so far has been positive. I think, in a strange kind of way, as much as um, I say that, I, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world, given how bad the performance in Newcastle was. Were they actually playing in the Premier League, given they were due to be playing a relegation rival in Swansea this weekend? Because I think you might have seen a a bounce back effect in a in a very meaningful game, but for Saints they have to view it as a great chance to get through. And as meant, there's no disrespect to to Wigan, but um, Saints may be struggling and Wigan may be uh, flying high. But obviously there are um, a number of league placings between them. Southampton are a Premier League team, and the alternative was to play Manchester City away. And with and again with all due respect to Wigan playing away to Wigan represents a better chance you would think for Saints to get through than playing away to Manchester City 99 times out of 100 that would be the case so I think from Saints' point of view they need to be positive they don't need to fear an upset they need to try and be authoritative and stamp their authority on the game onto Wigan and their Premier League class and try and let it show through and not worry too much about uh, anything else and and also the fact that um Obviously, Wigan have had these Premier League scales. Saints need to make sure they're not another one. Barry, in terms of Wigan, Saints have obviously, I think it's one win in 17 or one win in 18 now in the Premier League, but we have obviously won the, the three um, FA Cup games. Wigan's point of view, I mean, I guess, you know, whilst it's Premier League opposition, bearing in mind the teams you've beaten already and the fact you're at home and Wigan fans must be looking at it quite positively as well. Um, I think we're looking at it as a potential banana skin, to be mm. honest with you, because, I mean, yeah, you know, we've... we've, we've Taking on Bournemouth, beat Bournemouth. We took on West Ham, who we were very comfortable against West Ham, and obviously we played the best team in, the, in, in possibly Europe at the moment yeah. and beat them. But the same struggling. But at the end of the day, they still are a, a Premier League club, and they've got class players and they've got internationals through the side, mm. and that is a, is a big gulf. And just because they're coming here struggling in, in, in you know in the division doesn't mean to say that that class won't tell. When we were a Premier League side and we went to places like Huddersfield and you know we were struggling the season we won the cup as you'll remember we got relegated. Yeah. But when we played teams from from you know lower down the, the pyramid, our stars were just just too good for them. And this is my worry. I mean, uh, it, I hope the players aren't getting carried because the work rate in, in the, the games have been absolutely phenomenal. And I'm just hoping they don't think that uh, they've got you know because they've beaten Man, Man City that they've got. 
sort of an easier tie. I don't think mm. they will do for one second. I don't mm. think they will do. I think we'll give uh, Southampton the utmost respect. They should be the favourites, you know, to progress through to the next round, unless he makes a load of changes, which. Do you think he will do? Well, I was going to ask you that, Adam. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine my view it would probably be, bearing in mind the calamity that we had yesterday, that those players need to be thrown out there and told to prove themselves. But, I, I mean, to be fair, he's played pretty strong sides all the way through so far, Adam, hasn't he? Oh, I think it'll be full steam ahead. They can't yeah. afford to lose games, can they? That's the point. I mean, it's yes, we know the Premier League is, is the main thing. But, I mean, we can, I, I feel for them in a way because they are at a massive disadvantage having all these uh, midweek games they've got to play. Southampton um, have got uh, what uh, just well they've got over a week between matches to prepare for this game uh, to have plenty of rest and recovery from the last game and to and to prep themselves and go out uh, for the uh, for the Wigan tie and then Saints uh, being a Premier League club roll immediately into an international break so they've got another two weeks without a game so there's mm. there's literally no uh, incentive or reason whatsoever not to field the strongest team there's no fear. Uh, in, in in any shape or form I actually do have a lot of sympathy with Wigan because they've obviously done amazingly to get this far but you, you would think for them they've got to have half an eye on, on really wanting to get into the championship and, and how do you prioritise when you're in an FA Cup quarter final as well and you've got all these matches it's a, it's a much harder task for them than I think it is for Saints because Saints there is literally no reason that you wouldn't dedicate your everything to this game because this, yeah. this is it for two or three weeks now for them as well as Wigan blimey they've, they've got a right old fixture pile up I was just going to say Adam that that it's uh, it's the old cliche isn't it one game at a time so you take your next game from our point of view I think that's what Paul Cook will be setting the sign up for there's been no mention of, of Southampton up until we've played Bradford City on Wednesday and as soon as that game's out of the way then the focus will be on Southampton and then when that's out of the way the focus will be on Walsall on the following Wednesday, and that's how, how he's been, uh, you know, setting the uh, the lads up in training and that the focus on the the next game, making that the priority, and then see what happens. I think that's how we've got to take it, because then players. I mean, a lot of them players are, are at a position now with this, where it's it, they've got a chance to make the semi-final of the FA Cup. You know, a lot of them haven't been in this position before. It's a chance to play at Wembley. They're gonna sort of have one eye on it they must mm. do and I think this is you know people will say we lost against Blackpool the, the, the week before we played Man City um, and it was as though they had one eye on the City game and I think you know the, this big spectre of the FA Cup has affected our squad a little bit but it's up to Cook now to make sure that we just focus on one game at a time because I do agree we can't blow promotion to the Championship that is, has got to be number one priority for us. Absolutely, yeah. And, um, I mean, obviously I mentioned Will Greg earlier, Barry. He's an easy one for everyone to get drawn to. But in terms of the Wigan players that Saints need to keep an eye on, is there one or two sort of superstars from this season that we may not know about? Um, well, obviously there's, there's Will Greg, as you know. I mean, he's got the song and everything <laughs> that goes for him. He's scoring, he's, he's scoring goals. He doesn't score many before Christmas and then he just goes on a, uh, an almighty run after <laughs> The last time he was in this division, he'd scored five by Christmas. He finished the season on 27. This this year he's scored six by Christmas. He's got 18 now, yeah. so you can see he's starting to, you know, he's, he's going this form. Of, of course, we've got Nick Pohl as well, which yeah. he, he's like the poor man's Platini. If you remember <laughs> Michel Platini playing for Juventus and France, strutting yeah. around with the ball. Yeah, that's exactly what Nick Pohl does. He struts around with the ball, but he's 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 absolutely magnificent, and he's a bit of a talisman. And we've seen him win games single-handedly. So, uh, and in the last transfer window, um, Brighton offered ten million pounds for him. So yeah. you can see what sort of caliber of player is. Ten million pounds for a League One player, and an enormous amount of money. And then we've got the unsung heroes at, at the back. We've got Dan Burns, six foot seventy, ex Fulham. Uh, he played in the Premier League with Fulham for a, for a few. Uh, I think he did about twenty odd games with them. Uh, He's been absolutely magnificent. We call him Superman. Dan Byrne is Superman. <laughs> he's, he's a superb defender, left-footed, and at the side of him we've got Big Chair Dunkley, and he's an absolute brute. He takes no prisoners, and the ball's out of the ground. One of those old-fashioned type centre-backs, <laughs> a blood and thunder. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. uh, uh, both our full-backs, though, double up as wingers, so that's another thing. You know, they bomb forward. Um, and Nathan Byrne, he, he had a great season at Swindon a couple of years ago, mm. and he uh, attracted a lot of interest. But he's, he's ended up with us. He had a, 
we didn't see much of him last year. We sent him out on loan, but this season he's been absolutely electric. And uh, a Max Power, of course, he's got the name to go with it. It's one of the best. Uh, he's one of the best he, names in football, isn't it? Absolutely. He's only 23, and you know I think he's good enough to, to go all the way to the Premier League. I don't think he's, he'd be an absolute blazing star. I think he's similar sort of player to James MacArthur, who, mm-hmm. who came you know through with us. If you remember, he's now at Crystal Palace. Yeah, yeah. That type of player. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's good. Oh, we've got Sam Marsh, who's our captain, and he's an Egypt international as well. He was at Chesterfield with Paul Cook. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's Gary Roberts and, as well. But but again, I, can't, he, I can't remember where Gary Roberts played last, but I, I've certainly heard the name. <laughs> but yeah. I think, yeah, Gary Roberts is older than me, and like I said before, <laughs> my first game was 1971. So, <laughs> no, well, having said that, he scored. He scored for us on Saturday, so yeah. I'm not knocking too much. No, I saw it was yeah. three all, wasn't it? But I, I've got to say, Adam, listening to that, I'm kind of worried about those two centre backs and our delicate flowers up front. I hope the Saints players haven't listened to that. Barry <laughs> psyching me out a little bit with uh, I'm yeah. quite confident for Saints, but he's, yeah, the way he's talked them up, I'm 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 a bit concerned now. Uh, absolutely, all right. Well, just to, to finish then, Barry, um, we we normally end with uh, ill-fated predictions. So um, so your <laughs> um, your your predictions for uh, next weekend's cup tie. Then, what do you reckon the score will be? Well, uh, I, I know you don't score many goals. We don't. And uh, up, up until the last four weeks, we've hardly conceded any but we've conceded a few this last four weeks but mm. I think we'll tighten up so I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go for extra time and then the dreaded penalties so I think um, well you know so I'll just toss a coin and say we'll go through on penalties yeah. 5-4 cool. everyone will get their money's worth then won't they so uh, what do you reckon Adam well uh, despite Barry's attempt to psych me out on this I think <laughs> I'm going to stick with the fact that I think Saints will have a bounce back uh, I also I think with most of these FA Cup runs um, for, for a lower league team, that they kind of hit a peak at some point and, and then it's quite hard to follow up. And Wigan have kind of gone from one point you thought would be a peak to another, to, to the ultimate peak of beating Manchester City. And I wonder, just with all these games and, and perhaps a slight, slight slide in their momentum, that maybe it might just be... Uh, a good time for, for Saints to play them. So I, I am going to go for a, a Saints win. I don't think it will be easy for them, but I think maybe they'll you know, maybe squeeze out a 2-0 win. Perhaps. Yes, blimey. Yeah, okay. I think so. Good, good, all right. Well, I got, I got now, Ben, to, ben yeah. I have to tell you, Barry, Ben is the most pessimistic <laughs> fan that you've ever come across. So yeah, you're yeah. probably going to like this prediction. <laughs> Right. You, you, okay. he, he, reads, he reads me like a book, that guy, I tell you. Um, well, I, I mean, I, as I say, I went to Newcastle yesterday and watched an absolute shambles, so nothing's going to change my mind. Um, I, I've actually gone for uh, Wigan to win 2-1 an extra time, so uh, um, you're quite right, Adam. I reckon that they will have too much spirit and too much fight for us, and I don't think we'll, uh, we'll fancy it. So you probably like that, Barry. I reckon you're going to win 2-1 an extra time. Well, that'll do. Another trip to Wembley, I'd love that. Um, and I just hope it doesn't interfere with us going up his uh, automatic promotion spots, that's all. Just to let people know who are coming up on the day, if they're coming up on, on the train, uh, it's the Wigan Rum Festival that day, which includes a family mile, 5k and a half marathon, and it uh, and it goes past the train station, so there's, there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of people around there, So uh, it may be, and we're going to be shutting some roads off as well, so maybe... Uh, just a, a little bit of time, you know, to get up. Excellent. Well, we got a, a good cap of uh, Wigan Football Club there and um, some travel news as well. All right, Barry. Now that's brilliant. Well, thanks very much for coming on. Okay. Very much appreciated. And uh, wh- whatever happens next uh, next weekend, wish you the, the best of luck for the rest of the season, Barry. All right. Cheers and same to you all as well. Bye bye. I'm going to keep this week's clothes short and sweet. My thanks to Adam and especially Barry for joining us on this episode of the podcast. It is much appreciated and I hope you enjoyed, if that's possible, listening to the podcast. To all the Saints fans, particularly those of you who went up to Newcastle yesterday, please try to keep marching in. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.